0: Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. All righty, well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're in the New Testament uh, John is the fourth book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels, and so it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to spend four weeks in the book of John, studying John chapter 15 and Jesus's discussion with the disciples, when, which he basically says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so really the goal of this study is to answer this question, what happens when we choose to follow Christ closely? As disciples as followers Jesus was having this discussion with his uh, with his intimate followers and disciples and as he was having this discussion what he was trying to help them understand that as they follow Christ as they make decisions that are based on what Jesus and what God would want for their life um, this is what it would look like to follow Christ closely but not only that; this is what would happen in your life when you choose to follow Christ. So, to illustrate this, as he often does, Jesus uses metaphors, right? And so, um, in this story, Jesus uses the metaphor of the vine and the branches and the gardening. How many of you are gardeners out there? Alrighty, uh, I'm so excited. We planted our garden for the very first time, and last night there's this little baby zucchini. Just poking his head out, saying hi to me. I named it. I think I named it. I forget what I named it. I talk to them when I go out there. My mom taught me to talk to my plants. Um, No, don't laugh. Uh, I think it works. Um, But gardening's interesting, right? Because uh, you can do things to help your garden. Uh, If you don't do anything, stuff happens to your garden, right? If you only start the process and then you ignore it, uh, there's lots of things that are involved in gardening and gardening, uh, and the garden is affected when you choose to put time, work, and constant attention. Uh, you get out of it exactly what you put into it, sometimes more, uh, but the garden is also affected when you choose to do nothing, uh, and not when you choose to do destructive things only, but when you choose to do nothing, and, and life is this way, and, and Jesus uses this metaphor of the vine and the branches for probably a couple of reasons. Number one, he's talking to a primarily agricultural agricultural society. This is a a group of people that would have fully understood exactly the metaphor he was using. It wouldn't have taken a lot of extra explanation. And as we go through the metaphors, you'll kind of understand that. But the other reason Jesus probably used the vine and the branches is, to be honest, it's probably there visible. Oftentimes, Jesus would use what was available and what was visible uh, to discuss something with really heavenly and eternal implications in a real practical sense, right? So there are stories in the Bible where he does this a lot. He, uh, he, uh, last week, we even uh, looked at some of the different metaphors that Jesus would use. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at John 15, and we're look at this metaphor about the vine and the branches. So... Today, we'll take the first eight verses. If you have your Bibles out or if you have your notes, we'll read the first eight verses of John chapter 15. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and this is what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, he has just finished his final meal with the disciples. He has just predicted Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial. He's just washed the disciples' feet. And so on the journey to the cross, he's kind of teaching the entire way. And Jesus, as I mentioned, always uses what's available in order to teach some eternal kingdom heavenly truths. And the reason he probably chose the vine, as I said, is it's an agricultural society so it would make sense but it's also a metaphor and term that was probably visible as they're walking by and he sees a vineyard or he sees the branches. He probably says, uh, look right there. There's the vineyard. There's the branch. Let me, let me explain to you a kingdom principle on how our relationship works. And in this metaphor, he, there are three parts to it. God is the vine dresser or the farmer. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. So Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And by way of introduction, when we choose to follow Christ closely, growth and fruit are not just possible, growth and fruit are inevitable. Let me say that again. When we follow Christ closely, growth and fruit are fruit are not just possible, growth and fruit are inevitable. Uh, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ are fruitful. Everyone that follows Christ at some point in their life will develop some. Fruit that proves that they are followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 8 says this, uh, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The proof that we are disciples is the growth and fruit in our life. Fruit is mentioned six times in eight verses, and this fruit that he's talking about, what is it? Well, as I understand scriptures and as I read through, Uh, studying the times where fruit is mentioned, I believe there's two categories of fruit. So when we talk about what is the fruit that Jesus Christ is talking about, I believe there's two kinds of fruit. Number one, it's the completion of the mandate given in the Great Commission. So you have your notes there in Matthew chapter 28. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus came to them and said in verse 18, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, the completion of this mandate, when we uh, tell others about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, when we share with them the hope that lies within us, the hope that Jesus provides in someone. And they, uh, they come to Christ, and they're baptized, and, and they become part of the family of God. This is part of the fruit in our lives, the completion of the Great Commission. I think the other part of fruit is this, the maturity of godly character in a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. So quite a few verses. If you have trouble uh, following them, you can follow the outline. Galatians 5 says this, uh, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. How many of you can say them without looking? What's the first one? Love. By the way, if you're in church and they ask a question you don't know, just say love or Jesus and you'll probably get the answer right. Uh, So everybody, first answer, the first fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace. Gets a little fuzzy after that. What's the fourth one? Patience, kindness, goodness, Self-control, no, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Look at verse 23 of that passage, Galatians 5. There is no law against these things. In verse 24, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit leading in every part of our lives so how does fruit show up in our lives how do we find that little baby zucchini in our garden and get so excited well there's two ways first is when we bring someone to christ when we uh, share the gospel of salvation and and christ speaks in their heart and they they embrace christ's truth and they become a pa- uh, follower of christ and part of the family of god that is our fruit the second one is this a maturity of godly character in a follower of jesus christ Um, in our life there should be fruit that shows up in godly character that is maturing over time this is how we know that fruit shows up in the life of a believer so how do we grow and how do we produce fruit uh let's look at the verses again uh look at verse uh four with me verse four says this abide in me everyone say the word abide We're going to define that in the word in a moment, but I want you to count how many times he says abide in verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. So, first of all, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. See how many times the word abide is mentioned? I counted, I think, seven, right? Seven times in eight verses. This is how we grow. This is how we produce fruit. So abide means this. Abide means to stay. Write these down in your notes. To stay, to remain, to take up your home in Or to depend on. This is what abide means. So what Jesus is saying is this. I'm the the vine. You're the branches. This is how you grow. This is how you produce fruit. You stay in me. You remain in me. You take up your home in me. You depend on me. Abide in me. Understand the metaphor Jesus is using. Using uh, we are the branches. So the branch do not produce the fruit for the vine. The vine produces the fruit through the branches, though, and so fruit bearing is the vine's responsibility. The branch's responsibility is just to abide in the vine. It's to remain in the vine. It's to remain and to depend on. And in the same way, we are dependent on the vine for growth and fruitfulness. In the same way, fruit is not produced outside of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Look back at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, I am the, br- I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in him, in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Yeah, so apart from Jesus, We can do nothing. What he's saying is apart from the vine, you as the branch cannot produce fruit indeterminate of your own self. It is because of the vine and your job, your responsibility as the vine is simply to abide. There's a heart change that happens when we come to Christ, and this heart change produces new life, and with that new life, God has given us and equipped us everything we need to produce fruit, both in bringing someone to Jesus Christ, but also living in a way that our godly character becomes evident. So 2 Peter uh, 1 says it this way, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I want you to think about that phrase for just a moment. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You, if you have come to Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are fully equipped to live your life in a godly way, and you have everything you need, all the resources you need to live a godly life. Through, it says in 1 Peter 1-3, through our knowledge of Him who calls us by His own glory and goodness. So we're fully equipped as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've been given all the resources uh, that we need to live a godly life in Him. And this idea of fruitfulness is just a natural byproduct of following Christ closely. Bringing others to Christ is a natural byproduct of following Christ closely. Living a life of love and peace and joy and uh, and, and uh patience and kindness and goodness faithfulness gentleness all of those things the goodness um, those are natural byproducts of just being in christ so as we think about this as we determine in our lives what it means to follow christ closely uh, i want to remind you if we believe in john chapter 15 we must stop believing that you or those close to you will never change Yeah. (laughs) Because what Christ is telling us in John 15 is this. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I produce the fruit. Your responsibility is to abide. But if you abide in me, there will be fruit. We talked about it at the very beginning. Uh, If you follow Christ closely, growth and fruit are not just possible, they're inevitable. And our fruit... John 15, verse 8, is the proof by which we are disciples. So if we believe in John chapter 15, we must stop believing that you and those close to you will never change. What I mean by that is this. Uh, as, as people who believe and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to stop writing people off. We need to stop writing ourselves off. Um, let me give you a couple examples of what people will say as an excuse to not grow well, I'm just quick-tempered. That's just who I am. Yeah. That's who you were. If you're still like that, there's, there's, a, there's something that's preventing you from growing. Well, I've always cussed. Well, at some point, you, you get to choose not to, right? At some point, there's growth in your life that has self-control, right? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So at some point, as you grow and mature in Christ, the closer you abide in him, there's more fruit that is produced. Now, how many of you know fruit does not get produced overnight, right? It, produce, it, it takes time. It takes work and effort. So by no means do I say that the moment you give yourself self to christ that all of a sudden all of your your hurts and your habits they they stop to materialize in your behaviors or your conversations. but after some time of abiding in him there should be fruit one of those fruits is peace there's self-control um i've always had a short fuse i've always been a little harsh i'm always uh, i'm just quick tempered that's just how i am well, I think the Bible teaches us that the closer we get to Christ, fruit is not only possible, it's inevitable. And so if there's a lack of fruit in our life, then there's no proof that we're disciples. We might, might need to examine our heart to find out if we're abiding to Christ closely enough, right? Because if we're abiding to Christ close, then there is fruit. I was so pleased a few months ago our elders were gathering and we're studying and we were going through 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy and we're going through Titus and we're going through the list of uh, qualifications that the Bible gives for elders and we're going through the list and we're looking them up and defining them. What does it mean for, a, for, for an elder to be the list? And I was, a couple of times during that discussion, we came to a couple of those descriptions and one or two of our elders said, you know what, that... that That used to describe me, I kind of feel like I hope that I've grown in that area. Gentlemen, have I grown in that area? And ask the question of the elders. Why? Because in our life, the fruit should grow over a period of time. There should be a period of time. Um, Now, God examines our fruit. When it comes to fruitfulness, God examines our lives. Uh, Look at John chapter 15 again. We're going to look at verse 2. John chapter 15 and verse 2 says this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes away. Wow. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Look at verse uh, 6. Go down to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a... I'm sorry, let me read it again. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and as the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned so this is teaching us that the that God examines every branch to determine is there fruit is the branch superficial is it indispensable i want to pause here and just talk about unfruitfulness for just a moment there are, there are points in our life where we will have uh, seasons of unfruitfulness. You know, um, the, ri- the fruit doesn't mature year-round. That makes sense, right? There are periods where uh, there's fruit that comes, there's period where you harvest, and then there's period where there's no fruit and in preparation for the next season, right? And so there may be seasons of our life where we're going through something uh, particularly difficult or there's a season in our life where the, uh, if I could use the metaphor a little bit uh, larger scale where the, where the weather is uncomfortable for us to produce fruit and the storms in our life are proving difficult to produce fruit. And in those moments, those seasons of unfruitfulness make sense. What I believe what Jesus is talking about here is not so much the season of unfruitfulness, but when we go year and y- after year after year after year with no fruit in our lives— then God examines that fruit. He examines the fruit. He takes it away, the Bible says. He he gathers it. He throws it into the fire and is burned. And so there are seasons where fruit is minimal, just like in a vineyard, just like in a garden. There are seasons where we don't pick the fruit the entire year. And so the seasons of unfruitfulness does not necessarily mean that a plant is dead or worthless. But if you are going to go through season after season after season without fruit in your life, we need to examine our closeness to Christ because chances are we're not abiding in Him. Your fruit is an indication of how close you are to Christ. Your fruit is an indication of how close you are to Christ. It's an indication of whether or not you are abiding in Him. You should be more patient than you were years ago, right? You should be more loving than you were you should be more joyful, more tender-hearted, more gentle. So examine your life. Is there fruit? Are you barren? Are, is this a season of unfruitfulness? Or are you going year after year after year? If so, then you need to ask the question: Are you close to Christ? Are you abiding in him? Here's the interesting thing. If Christ determines that our life is unfruitful, he says in verse two that he takes it away. You know what happens if he determines you are fruitful? He just lets you live whatever life you want to live, man. Nope. Look at verse 2 again. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, right? We just talked about that. Now look at what happens when there is fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it may bear more fruit. So if you're unfruitful, you're gathered, you're thrown into the fire, you're burned. If you are fruitful, you are pruned. He takes a shear to your life and he prunes your life and he shapes it so that it becomes more fruitful. That just doesn't sound pleasant, does it? And yet pruning, in your notes, pruning is a necessary part of ensuring growth and fruitfulness. I've heard that in a vineyard during the pruning season, when the vines are pruned, they are cut back as much as 90% of the growth they will experience in their life. They're pruned all the way back so that they can grow more fruit. I saw my little zucchini, my little baby zucchini last night, and I Googled, what do I do when I have a zucchini in my garden? And it said if you, if you, if you gather, if you uh, cut the fruit, whatever is producing fruit, it said about six to eight inches, you'll get more fruit. The plant is more likely to produce more fruit when you prune it, when you gather the fruit. Um, I've never been a plant and when I go out with my shears and like my tomato bush is out of control and I'm trying to prune that thing because I've heard that you know, if the tomato bush grows too much, there's not enough nutrients that go throughout the whole plant and so you need to prune some of it back so that the nutrients go to the area where the fruit will grow the most and so you have to constantly prune a tomato bush. I don't know what, it li- what it's like to be a plant but that feels like it would be extremely painful to get constantly pruned. And every time you think you're growing, you're pruned. I don't know what it's like to be a plant, but I know what it's like to be a Christian. And I know what it's like in my life to have areas of my life pruned. And pruning is a necessary part of ensuring growth and fruitfulness when parts of our life are cut back, when parts of our life are pruned, just like a vineyard to the untrained eye and to the unknowing eye, when the vineyard is cut back as much as 90% of the growth that it'll experience, to the untrained eye, it's gonna look ugly and it's gonna look painful and it's gonna look difficult and it may seem counterproductive. And just like in our own life, when parts of our life are cut back, when parts of our life are pruned, it is ugly, it's painful, it's difficult and it feels counterproductive. And yet the gardener, the vine dresser, the far- farmer knows what to remove in order for us to thrive. The gardener in our life, God Almighty, God the Father, God knows what to prune in our life, what to remove in our life in order for us to, thr- to thrive. And so when you find yourself thinking, boy, I know that I can't live without blank, guess what God's going to get ready to prune? In your life, How many of you feel like the last three or four months have been a pruning exercise for a lot of us? We've been asked to do without a lot of things. We've been asked to be without a lot of things. And in some way or another, in some of us, and some of you, there have been areas of growth where you did not expect areas of growth. There have been areas of fruitfulness in your life where you didn't expect it Oftentimes, because what we think we can't live without is exactly what God is going to look at in our life and say, if you don't think you can live without this, let's prune that area of your life a little bit in order so you to grow more fruit. And think about the fruit we're talking about. You know how God helps you produce love? He surrounds you with unlovely people. in order for you to exercise that, that fruit. You, you, know how God, you know how God helps you develop joy in your life? He puts you in some really bad positions sometimes. And sometimes things will happen in your life where you have to truly dig deep in order to exercise joy. You know how God produces peace in us by surrounding us in turbulent times to help us recognize that peace is a position that isn't affected by circumstance. Go down the list. Um, how, do, <laughs> how does God exercise self control in your life? Oh man, you know the answer to this. It puts everything out of your control. How does God exercise gentleness in your life? He puts you in some positions that it's very difficult to exercise that. Every single time, God is using those opportunities, and it's a pruning exercise. He's not mad at us. He's not disciplining us. He understands that months from now, what we're going through right now will help us produce fruit that will abound. More fruit. If he didn't care about us, he would would allow our our plant, as it were, our our branch to just grow without any concern— And in doing so, it actually grows less fruit. Those moments where it's difficult are moments where God is using it to exercise the ability for us to grow fruit. Um, Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, what's the next word? Ask. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. So the result, if you're following in your notes, the result of abiding is prayer. So when we choose to abide, when we choose to remain, when we choose to stay, when we choose to depend on, the result of abiding is prayer. Isn't it interesting that the result of the type of life depending on God, the result of that is further depending on God in prayer. It's an interesting phrase that he chooses to use. Uh, There's an interesting phrase in that verse where he says, ask whatever you wish. Boy, I get excited with that phrase. Whatever you wish, you can ask. And yet as you look at it, it makes Jesus seem like he's a Santa Claus or a genie in a bottle Uh, Some sort of god who simply is at our beck and command And we know that's not true. You know why because we all have prayed prayers that have not been answered So we know that's not true. We know he's not just santa claus. We know he's not it's actually a really disgusting view way to look at god What jesus is speaking about I believe in verse 7 when he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you The context in which jesus is speaking is about fruit it's about the vine and the branches. It's about maturity in our life. It's about this mandate we've been giving to bring people to Christ, and it's about this godly character in us that should, uh, that should mature. And so in the context of verse 7, I believe, what Jesus is saying is uh, he's talking about fruit. What he's explaining is this. Whatever you wish, whatever you were to ask in terms of fruit, it will be done for you. So, if you're lacking in one of these areas and you pray to God, He will provide it for you. If you're lacking in love, if you find yourself and uh, you are surrounded by unlovely people, if you ask God for love, He'll give it to you. If you find yourself in a position where you are in the midst of chaos and storm and, uh, and, 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 and sorrow and despair, if you ask God for joy he will provide it for you. If you're in the middle of chaos and you ask for peace, if you ask for kindness, goodness, faithfulness, this fruit, if you ask for someone to come to Christ and you ask for the boldness and the, uh, and the ability to explain what the gospel has done in your life, God will grant it to you. People that depend on God will ask God, ask God for things only he can provide. This is what gives God the glory. Uh, verse 7 and 8, one more time. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is how God the Father is glorified. In your notes there, if you're following, my uh, slide mechanism isn't cooperating up here, but in your notes... The branch's number one responsibility is to abide. The number one responsibility is to abide. It's to stay. It's to remain. It's to take up your home in, it's to depend on Jesus. What does it look like for our lives if we were to follow Christ closely? It looks like this we remain in God. We stay in God. We take up our home in Him. We depend on Him. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple of those verses, I think verse 6 through about 11 or so, and we're going to look at the four ways he specifically asks us to abide. But for this week, I want you to embrace the reality that the branch's number one responsibility is to abide. At the end of your notes, there's a little section that says reflection and response, and there's three parts to it today. There's three questions. Number one... Do you know for sure that you belong to Jesus, the true vine? Are you his? Have you identified with him? Number two, what has been the fruit of your life in this season? When you think about the two ways that fruit manifests, are there people that you have been able to bring to Christ? Is there some kind of maturity in one or two or three of these areas of godly uh, character that we've identified? What is the fruit of your life in this season been then number three what fruit do you need to pray to God about if you look through this list in Galatians 5 and you look at love and joy and peace if you look at patience and kindness and goodness faithfulness and gentleness and self control at this moment what fruit is being exercised in your life because if you're like me, if you look at those, nine, that, those characteristics of those nine fruit of the Spirit, one or two kind of jump out that, oh, yeah, God's totally working on me on that. What fruit am I, are you praying to God about? Let's take a moment and let's reflect and respond to these in prayer. Uh, and as we do, I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward and we'll worship here in a moment. But let's bow and pray. I'm going to ask you to have your heads bowed as we take a moment to reflect and to respond on what God is speaking to you about first off do you know for sure that you belong to Jesus the true vine do you know for sure that you belong to Jesus the true vine has there been a time in your life where you've committed your life to him boy if not this is a great time to do that right in this moment where we're reflecting and we're responding to what God has spoken to us. What has been the fruit of your life in this season? Boy, if you look at the last two or three months of your life, what's been the fruit? What is God working in your heart The second, This question really dovetails into the next one. What fruit do you need to pray to God about today? Remember, uh, our ability to produce fruit, if we're following Christ closely, is not only possible, it's inevitable. And so based on what's happening in your life in the last two or three months, what fruit of the Spirit is God calling out in you? That list of nine in Galatians 5, if you're like me, there's one or two that jump out. What fruit is God calling out in your life? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Sons are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, though, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Father, we take these words and you said that if we abide in you and your words abide in us, that we could ask whatever we wish when it comes to fruit. And so Father, as we consider the fruit that you are calling out in our own life, I pray that you would help us To grow and mature love and joy and peace. That kindness and patience and goodness would be the fruit of our lives. That we would be a people full of faithfulness, full of gentleness, full of self-control. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to abide in you. We pray that this would be the number one passion of our lives is to abide in you, to remain in you, to stay in you. In Jesus name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, We would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you, and have a beautiful day.